but I think if the longer you've been involved with something, the more creative you have to become to keep yourself motivated, have different goals. Like you can change your mindset, right? And if you change your mindset, that sometimes you approach whatever you're trying to do a bit differently. If you cross compare what you were to what you are now, that's never going to breed success. So you've got to create new goals for yourself. Welcome to the award-winning Champions Mojo, hosted by two world record-holding athletes and health, life, and leadership coaches. Be inspired as you listen to Conversations with Champions. And now, your hosts, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. I'm Kelly Palace, your host. And today, as usual, I'm co-hosting with Maria Parker. Hey, Maria. Hi, Kelly. Good to be with you. And our, yeah, it's wonderful. Our special guest today is Abby Fish. She is the founder of Swim Like a Fish, the virtual swimming coaching business, which was started in 2019. After 25 years of success in competitive swimming and 10 plus years and counting of elite swim coaching, Abby tried out for the Olympics, was a six time Olympic trial qualifier, SEC finalist. NCAA qualifier, and two-time USA Junior National Champion. Abby is a University of Georgia double dog, which means swimming and graduating with a BS and an MS degree in exercise science. Abby is a big swimming nerd at heart and loves everything when it comes to stroke mechanics, underwater video, and swimming technique. Abby's goal with Swim Like a Fish is to help any coach or swimmer, no matter what their age, get faster through stroke technique and education. Maria, what else can you tell us about Abby? Well, Abby's worked with thousands of swimmers, including over 100 Olympians and Paralympians across the world through virtual coaching, clinics, conferences, camps, and lessons. Abby's a consistent speaker at multiple international swimming conferences. Abby's a sports science consultant for USA Paralympic Swim Team and Swimming Singapore. Abby's favorite place to be on earth is sitting at the bottom of the pool. Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you all for having me. Yes, great to have you with us. And so we are always so interested in mindset and words and how words affect our lives. And I just, you've got to tell us how cool it was growing up with the last name of Fish and how that played into your life. Yeah, this is not the first time that I've gotten this question. It's been since I was a young child standing behind the blocks for swim races. I could see someone holding a heat sheet, you know, checking names to make sure the swimmers were in their proper lines. And they're kind of looking at me and they're looking at the heat sheet and you could tell that they want to say something. And then eventually it'd be like, did you know your last name is is Fish? And I'm like, no, I had no idea. <laughs> but yes, it's been kind of crazy that this whole like last name thing is truly my last name. Some people have actually asked me whether I've changed it for the sake of the business. And it's no, really my last name. So I felt like the pun needed to happen with the name of the business. And yeah, it's the irony of all of it is kind of hilarious. Just you're living into your name fully. I feel like stepping into my passion. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So tell us about that passion and where it started. Yeah, so it originated when I was super young. I'm the youngest of three, and both my siblings grew up swimming. My mother was heavily involved with the Red Cross and was a lifeguard, also a water aerobics instructor, and just kind of had us around the pool at a very young age. And so I was the baby of a mommy and me class when I was an infant. So 
I basically don't understand a life that doesn't include water because my whole life I've been immersed in water in some capacity. And then obviously that grew through the years to eventually swimming in college, which, yeah, it's pretty crazy as well. Well, I know you, you're probably aware that a, lo- a lot of our listeners are older swimmers, older mm-hmm. masters athletes, just people that may even be finding swimming for the first time as they age or, or falling back in love with swimming. And that's, that happens to a lot of master swimmers. So what advice would you give with all these great, the Olympians you've worked with, Paralympians, young kids, older kids, and masters, what, what would you give kind of some nuggets of wisdom to swimmers that are older? What could we do to become like these Olympians? Well, I think if like one of the main things I've thought about is I've been involved in swimming for close to 30 years. When I turn 34, I'll be within the sport for 30 years. So being young and saying that I've had some sort of career for over 30 years is is not normal. And so to keep this relationship going with the sport, I feel like I have to constantly reinvent what that relationship looks like. And so for coaching, it's different than my own personal swimming But I think the longer you've been involved with something, the more creative you have to become to keep yourself motivated, have different goals. Like you can change your mindset, right? And if you change your mindset, that sometimes you approach whatever you're trying to do a bit differently. If you cross compare what you were to what you are now, that's never going to breed success. So you've got to create new goals for yourself and new things to strive for to be able to enjoy going to the pool every single day and also to want to. I love that idea of reinvention to keep things interesting. And obviously, you've had to do that with yourself. And I'd I'd like to think about, since you work with Paralympians, one of the things that we've all in life have had to overcome is, is, is huge obstacles. You've certainly had obstacles and you've worked with Paralympians who are by their very definition or have had some obstacles. Can you tell us some stories about obstacles for yourself and or your swimmers? And also, can you tell us about personal obstacles and maybe what you've learned? Yeah, so I feel like I grew up as a multi-sport athlete. And so I was not just exposed to swimming, which is, you know, heavily individual, even though you're kind of part of a team until you get to college. Like I did do soccer teams and basketball teams where it's more of, you know, you're working as a whole to, to win. So I enjoyed kind of the balance of those two things. Within that, though, I dealt with a lot of different injuries. And so for me, like a lot of the adversity I dealt with in my own career was due to shoulder issues. I had some back issues, some knee issues just from overuse. But when you cross compare kind of like the adversity that I dealt with versus some of the adversity that I've coached now, especially through Paralympians, it's been extremely eye-opening because there are some people that are dealing with degenerative diseases. And so every time I meet with them and I coach them, you know, their spectrum or ability level or range of motion through a joint changes. And so for me, uh, it's been really interesting, but at the same token, it's a great reminder to understand that like a lot of the things that we may take for granted being able-bodied and pretty healthy, you know, it's just a reminder of saying that like, Hey, it's your life is going pretty well. Like you should be grateful for what you have and the opportunities that you have afforded. So once again, that reinventing or that why of why you're getting up in the morning or why you're going to go to practice or why you want to swim that 5k becomes a bit greater. And it's a bit easier for you to, to want to strive for something like that. 
Do you have a specific story of someone that you've just really blown your mind in terms of their attitude towards their obstacles? Yeah, a lot of my Paralympians are really, I'm good friends with them because I am younger and some of them are actually around my age. And so I actually got pranked on the Paralympic team one time because there's a girl who is pretty heavily disabled. So the way that Paralympics works is you're put into classifications and the classifications from the numbers one to 10 all deal with physical classifications. And then the numbers 11 to 14 deal with intellectual impairments and then also visual impairments. So depending on your number, it basically, they put you into a number based off of what you can or maybe cannot do. And then there's events within that number that you would compete in through Paralympics. So One of these athletes is a lower level number, which means that they're more disabled. And so she was telling me one time how she was like an Olympic on an Olympic caliber gymnast at one point. And I was just kind of like, really? Like, are you being serious? But the reality is, is she was, she was in college and actually competing for gymnastics and then ended up getting this disease that slowly ate away the muscles in her body. And now she's actually in a wheelchair and has to be wheelchair bound on a daily basis. But you know, once again, this is her life story. And she's presenting it to me as like, kind of not a joke, but kind of like, don't Abby, you know, judge a book by its cover. Because the reality was, is I was doing backflips at the age of 24. And then by the age of I don't know, the specific ages 27, you know, I couldn't walk anymore. And so they're just humbling moments all over the place with para where you're like, Okay. <laughs> you you listen more than you talk when you're in Paralympics. That's a yeah. good takeaway. Yeah, that's beautiful. So that ties into, you know, the idea that all of us, whether, you know, we're regular master swimmers or Olympians or Paralympians, that sometimes our goals don't align with what we we want or what we historically did, we aren't doing anymore. What do you coach your athletes to say like, if they were once, you know, at point A, and now they're not quite up to point A, how do you keep them going? Yeah, I like to think about like your career is basically a book. And each book, you know, has different chapters. And so it's like when you look at the chapters, they all create the story, but the story is really the conglomeration of everything at the end. And so it's really a different mindset from how I thought about my own swimming career because I really wanted to be an Olympian and I strove for the Olympics for many years. And I always just assumed that if I got to that level, you know, kind of everything else in my life would just fall into its place. But the reality is, is I know a ton of Olympians. And even if you get to that caliber, you still have to figure out, you know, what is next? Like, who are you? You know, all the other components beyond athletics. And so when I work with swimmers and they're not quite making the mark that they want to get to, they're looking at the long-term gain. Like you need to look at the long-term goals and what the story is that you want to write at the end versus like what the short term is telling you. Because a lot of times with swimming, it's such an honest sport that I feel like if you continue to strive for what you're going for, you will eventually get there. You just can't determine all the time when it will happen. Like sometimes it decides that it's going to happen on its own timeline versus the timeline that you want. Like if you miss a taper or, you know, you're sick and you miss a meet, like sometimes life just throws obstacles. And so as long as you stay forward and you stay focused, I think it will come. It just, it's not always there when you want it to happen. Is it possible that we're just not working hard enough? (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, I think it's smart enough. I don't think it's hard enough because I think swimming is one of the hardest sports to train for. I was in a webinar yesterday with Team USA talking about altitude training and iron deficiency in athletes. And one of the main things that they were saying is swimmers train so much, like elite level swimmers, 25 to 30 hours a week. Most people are iron deficient. Most women are anemic. And so, you know, how to work around that mindset where that is the mindset, that's the mold. That's what most people believe is just work harder, swim more, swim, you know, like grind. And that's not always necessarily the right answer. That's great. So who has been some of the biggest influences on your swimming and or swimming coaching career? Yeah, I would definitely say most of my coaches have left a big mark on me. My club coach, I live in Louisville, Kentucky now, was a big mentor with swimming, obviously, and then also kind of a father figure during my high school careers. And then my college coach, Jack Bowerly, who just recently retired. Ironically, we had a terrible relationship when I swim in college because I wasn't like making the mark. And so he was always trying to figure out ways to get me to get to the level that he thought was possible. And so we kind of butted heads a lot during college, but then I started coaching beyond college and we both saw each other, I think in different lights. And now we're extremely close that if I called him, you know, we, we wouldn't necessarily talk swimming. We'd probably talk about more life things. Yeah. We love Jack. We've had him on the show. He's a real legend and just an amazing human. Yes. If If you weren't a swim coach, what would you be? Well, what I've learned is that I love working with people. So I know that whatever I would do would be something that would be relationship based. So my original plan was actually not to coach swimming. I assumed that I would stop and remove myself from swimming. And I was going to go to physical therapy school. And that was kind of born out of the fact that I had, you know, some shoulder issues and other ailments that sent me into physical therapy on and off through my career. And I did do that. I actually worked in a clinic for a couple years while I was in grad school and I just didn't love it. So it wasn't like I I couldn't do it. I was just like, I don't really want to do something every day that I don't totally enjoy. So I decided to take some time off of school. And that's when I started coaching. And then coaching kind of just started building in my life. And I was still kind of like, no, I don't think I'm going to coach. We're going to leave that over there. And then, you know, 10 years later, <laughs> I'm a full-time swim coach. What qualities do you think you have that make you a really good coach? I definitely feel like I can talk to anybody about anything. And so like I went to an art museum last night and I was talking to actually the janitor that was mopping the floors about the art and kind of what he saw. Because for me, it's not necessarily that it has to be swimming and athletics and fitness that I can jive. I really enjoy understanding what other people like and also other people's passions because I like seeing that person light up when they talk to you. So yeah, we're looking at all this array of different art that obviously makes you think different things. And I just thought it was really interesting seeing what he was thinking as he was mopping the floors. So you can talk to anyone about anything. What else? I also feel like I have a lot of energy. It's probably hard to come through on a podcast all the time. But when I'm on deck, I'm very energized. I'm loud. I'm also like to try to stay cool. So I'm like on social media and the TikToks and the music. So I uh, have a tendency to make a lot of jokes with my swimmers and just, yeah, kind of throw in Justin Bieber lyrics where you feel like it could fit. And they're, they're like, what is going on? But it's a good time. <laughs> That's That's wonderful. We've talked a lot on this show about what we learn from our failures. And as somebody who also made Olympic trials and wanted to be an Olympian, like probably many of our listeners, many athletes, 
you know, and I'm not calling the fact that you didn't make the Olympic team a failure. I would leave that up to you. But what do you think that you learned from that? And, you know, we've, we had Ray Luz on the show and his show was actually titled, entitled, and that's the Indiana coach, Unfinished Business. And yeah. we talked with Ray about this theory he has that many of the best swim coaches almost made the Olympic team. Yeah. So what, what are your thoughts on how that affected you? So I think Ray is right, but I also think that there's a lot of people that are extremely jaded from the sport of swimming that get into coaching to kind of repair whatever they didn't make in their own career. And they're actually not good coaches because it becomes more of a personal venture than it is about the relationship and that person's you know story that they're building. So it's an other-centered profession that you have to be you know, able to be there for the other person because you're not showing up, you know, this time for yourself. And so I do believe though, that like, because I wasn't set on coaching, that if I would have made the Olympics, I don't think I would have started coaching. I think I would have just felt like I've closed the chapter with swimming, you know, hung up my suit and goggles, and I could have walked away. And assuming I would have been happy with that and gone into a different field. And so I do kind of like silver liningly look at the fact that I didn't achieve really what I thought about for a decade, like day in and day out to one of the main reasons that I stepped onto the the pool deck again. And this time started remembering why I started you know, swimming to begin with. I started working with younger kids and I was always just laughing at the the little kids that come on with like half goggles onto the pool deck and they're like bags are down to their legs and there's like fins falling out. And I was just like, I was so removed being in an elite sphere for so long that I didn't remember that that was once me. And, you know, it, it was Abby fish, like fish, you know, the swimming, like it all was connected since I was so young that I'm in a way thankful I didn't make the Olympic team, but for the longest time I was, you know, that stung a bit. Yeah, that's a great answer. So I'm going to ask the second to last question before the sprint around, and I'm going to let Maria ask the last question. So with all these great champions that you've worked with, what are a few commonalities that you see in champions? Yeah, I think when people think of, you know, a champion or someone who's done it, it almost feels like there's a disconnect from you. Like if they're them, then it can't be you. And one of the main things I've learned is all of them are us. Like it's no different, but it's a matter of understanding that we're all capable of achieving greatness and greatness in your lane versus, you know, Maria's lane versus my lane can be very different. And there's room for success for everybody, no matter what they're doing. So I think it's understanding that we're all capable and there's no distinction between levels and uh, the consistency to show up and prove that on a day in and day out basis, not only to the people around you, but to yourself is extremely important. That's a beautiful answer to that question. (laughs) The last question is, is there anything that we have not covered that's important to cover you'd like to tell us or tell Mm. the listeners? No, I mean, I'm definitely happy to be on the podcast and I appreciate the opportunity here. If there's ever any swimmers that are on this podcast that want more information on me or what we're doing, I would love to connect with you. So you're taking clients? Yeah. We've got a lot going on at Swim Like a Fish though. Like I feel like when people ask, what exactly are you? You know, that piece needs to be 
kind of consolidated into one sentence, but, you know, we've got virtual coaching, but we've got like online training plans. We have a dry land vertical, you know, we do swim camps and swim lessons that it's really not just like one defined thing that we do. We serve a lot of different swimmers within a swimming space that, yeah, if you want to be a client, you can, or you could also buy a course and that would be awesome too. Yeah. And we're going to have all your info in the show notes so people can reach out to you and all your links and everything. So ready for the sprinter round? Yes. Here okay. For this is just a way for people to get to know you a little bit better. Thank you, Mark. Here we go. What do you consider the best sandwich? A club sandwich. Oh, good answer. Okay. What do you own, Abby, that you should throw out? A lot of swimming t-shirts from Meats when they used to put your name on the back. Okay. Scariest animal to you? Honey badger. You never know what you're going to get. What uh, celebrity would you most like to meet? Justin Bieber. (laughs) Okay. And uh, I'm going to let Maria take the last five. What's the hardest swimming event in the pool? Oh, 200 fly, 200 back, 400 IM are pretty equal. Favorite movie? Mm, The Blind Side. I love Sandra Bullock. Favorite smell? I've been really into candles recently. So I've been buying like the pine scented, anything that's like Christmassy oriented soy candles. Do you make your bed every morning? Questionable. Kickboard or no kickboard? (laughs) Alignment board. A what? Alignment board. Okay, you got me. I don't even know what that is. Tell me. It's from Finise. It's like a triangular kickboard that oh, you yeah. stick your hand in the top and it puts you in a streamlined body alignment. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I Now that I know, I just didn't know the name of it. Cool. All right. If you had to listen to one song for the rest of your life, what would it be? Anyone by Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> You're consistent, if nothing else. That's yeah, true. I like that. Oh my God, we did have a couple more questions. We had we had actually twelve questions. Window or aisle? Uh, when uh, no aisle. I don't like aisle. being locked in. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> aisle. Describe your life in five words. Five words. Or four, or three, or six. It's quiet, fun, unassuming, different, and exhilarating. The last question is, what word comes to mind most when you dive in the water? It's cold. (laughs) That's got to be the most consistent answer from all the swimmers. All right. Well, Abby, this has just been such a pleasure and really, really fun to get to know you a little bit. And we wish you all the best. You're a true champion. Thank you. I I appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Stay tuned for the takeaways. Want to succeed like a champion? Five-time Olympic coach Bob Bowman, coach of Olympic legend Michael Phelps, says Kelly's book, Take Your Mark Lead, is a powerful addition to your personal improvement library, and learners from all walks of life will gain key insights and enjoy this inspiring book. Take Your Mark Lead, debuted as an Amazon number one bestseller in five categories and is available online. And now, the takeaways. All right. And now the takeaways for Abby Fish. What a great interview, Maria. What was your first takeaway? My first takeaway was a new take on what a champion is and that we can all be champions. Abby said we can all be champions in our own lane. And I thought that was really interesting because Abby wanted to be an Olympian 
and they never made it to being an Olympian. And instead, Abby is a champion coach. So this concept that we can, that sounds simple as I'm saying it, but it's this idea that the pie of champions is huge and we can all have our own slice. And I think Abby's living that life. Yes. Yes. I like that. And that we might be a champion in something that we're not even aware of. And if we stay, if we stay in our own lane, being a champion doesn't mean knocking someone else off the pedestal that we, you know, there's a room, there's a lot of room for us all to be champions. Okay, great. So my first one was don't use comparisons when we're aging athletes, when we're master's athletes, when we may have done something better than we did before, don't compare it that we need to set new goals. So certainly, you know, we, we've all run a 5k, right? Probably most everybody listening to this has at least run a 5k. And I'm sure we had times when our 5k was much faster than it is as you age or as you get injured or as something. So instead of saying, oh, I ran a 5k this weekend and it was just horrible and you know, it was slow. You set a new goal and you say, this 5K, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run a whole mile and I'm gonna walk a mile and I'm gonna run a mile. So I I loved that. That was my first takeaway was don't use comparison and set new goals. How about your second one? Second one was be others focused. And I think Abby lives this really well. When we're athletes, we can tend to be navel gazing and thinking about how we feel and how, you know, how are things going. But as we mature. We can become really true champions as we as we look outwards. And this was said in the context of unfinished business. And what Abby said was, if you're going to be a coach trying to win that Olympic medal that you never got you know, with your swimmers, then you're probably not going to be a great coach because you, you really need to be focused on who they are and helping them. And it's not about you. Simple, again, very simple concept. And Abby put it a whole lot better than I just did. So be sure you listen. But that term, others focused, just really stuck with me. And I think it's great that we need to think about being others focused, whether we're coaches or parents or friends, just being right. others focused. Right. So my second takeaway was that relationships can change. Talking about the relationship between Jack Bowerly and Abby, it was contentious and they, butted heads and now they're friends. So I love that we can change relationships. So if you're in a tough relationship right now, it doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. And that was a cool takeaway for me. So I like that too, again, to think people change, things can change. Yes. And, and we, we tend to, to project how things are right now into the future indefinitely. But that was a great story about, about Jack. Yes, I love it. All right, Maria, another great one in the book. So I yeah. love you. I love you too. Bye-bye. We'll see you soon. All righty. Thank you for listening to the Champions Mojo podcast. Did you enjoy the show? We'd be grateful if you would leave us a five-star review on iTunes to help others find us. And we'd also love to hear from you. We're on all social media platforms, or you can reach us at championsmojo.com.